I think sense of purpose is one of the strongest ways in which you can give yourself the fuel you need to move forward in life. You know, I, I think a big, uh, a big help here is um, something that is a word that's, that's a big word again, but it's, it's really, it's called eudaimonia. Oh, which I love is, that word. Yeah, which, is, uh, which contrasts with hedonia. So hedonia is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Everybody knows how great that is. And then there's eudaimonia, which is about well-being, which is meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, it sounds very iffy, but, but studies are beginning to show increasingly that the reward center in the brain, the nucleus accumbens is part of that, actually activates for longer in adolescents who are taught to focus on well-being, meaning and purpose, rather than sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now, you know, no one's saying those things in whatever measure that is, that's safe for you are, are bad in, in of themselves, but they don't correlate with this feeling of, of reward that we're talking about. So... Uh, to that extent. So, so the question is, well, when we talk about meaning and purpose, like what is that? And how does that relate to trauma? Well, I think sense of purpose is one of the strongest ways in which you can give yourself the fuel you need to move forward in life. And contrary to what a lot of people think, I don't think that sense of purpose, and this is a little controversial, but you know, I think you know me by now, but I, 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 contrary to what a lot of people think, I, I think sense of purpose is more about what, what makes you feel like you've got your groove on rather than how you're connecting to other people? Like you ask somebody what their sense of purpose is and they'll say, I want to help other people or I want to save the earth or I want to do something with green energy. There's nothing wrong with that. But that deliberate intention, I think, is far less powerful. And I, you know, Aristotle talked about this a long time ago. And, and I think I'm in, I'm in alignment with his view of this, which is that Forget about the object of your sense of purpose. You know, if your sense of purpose is like, I just like playing music and I just like making food and forget about like how to make it into a business or anything. Just if that's what you love, when you allow yourself to sink into that love and absorb it, you know, absorb it like a sponge, you will make contact with what we call virtue. And that virtue will inspire you to serve others. And when you are inspired to serve others, it's a very different thing than if you're trying to morally whip yourself into shape to serve others or any version of that. So I always encourage my, my, my patients when I see them is to say, let's look at sense of purpose, but really I just want you to tell me the most selfish thing that you could possibly do that would really make you feel like you've got your groove on. And once we start going into that, <coughs> excuse me, but you know, once you start going into that, you actually start to realize, you know what, life is much better when I'm doing what I love. And it's not going to come to you in one day. You know, like for a lot of people, it's like, I don't even have time to think about doing what I love. Like I've got to go to work. I've got to make money. I've got to pay the mortgage. Like I don't have time. Well, maybe you deserve at least 30 minutes of time somewhere, whether you're in the bathroom, taking a shower, going for a drive, just thinking about like, what do I love in the world? Not how am I going to get there? Not what's the process to get there? Not none of that. Just, how do you sink into the stuff that you love? And when you do that, you will connect with virtue. And I really believe that connection with virtue is, is not, again, like a moral thing. Virtue is, and, and this is an opinion and, and not a fact, but virtue, I believe every human being on earth is imbued with the sense of virtue. Mm. And 
and the love of doing things for other people. And I think we get caught up in all kinds of things that distract us from that. And I think that if we can connect with what we love, you know, I think everybody, you can even think about that in a casual way, right? It's like when you're having an awesome day and someone says, can you please pass the salt? Like you feel like, yeah, man, I'll pass the salt. Like this, that's great. Right, yeah. But if you're not having an awesome day and someone says pass the salt, you'll be like, oh, sure, here. But it's like, oh, everything's an effort. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, I think, the, 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 I think that if we focused on being happy, we needn't fear that it's going to drive us into selfish land and we're never going to connect with others. I think genuine self-connection makes human beings want to connect with others. And, and I think we can do a lot for one another that way. And I, I agree. And, and this is where um, stress oppose, opposes the self-connection, but like following circa, taking that breath, regaining the presence, connecting to yourself, your truth, your virtue. I, I love this because it's so in alignment with, with everything I believe, and it's in alignment with biblical principles as well, is that you're connecting to this, this truth, and then you're, through that we connect to other people. And that's the, the whole concept of putting your oxygen mask on first, right? It's that sense yep. of, hey, we have to survive our, we've got to survive our, our spirit. We have to um, be so connected and, and have that intention of, of and be in that place where we can do more good mm-hmm. versus when we're like, oh, you know, go get yourself yourself. Right. right. No, I think <laughs> I think you're on your way out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, it is the whole know thyself principle, the whole idea that if you know yourself, you will be able to give more of yourself. And, you know, I think a lot of times we feel like we've got to imitate success or look at what that person said about success, really know that the, the success really is within you. Like it, in my mind, success is not, I mean, some people have a certain propensity, as you said, you know, genetically, positively or negatively, they have a certain environment. That's all true. But success, in my opinion, is when we, the human brain is such a complex organ that I don't think it's about just having this amazing perfection in your head. I think success is when you decide to take yourself on and you say, you know what? I am going to move forward with this and I am going to make this happen because, you know, at the end of all my fancy neurobiology and this and that, really what I think is you live, you die, you do something in between. You don't really know what happens at any other point. So make the best of it and make the best of it now because I think people have this unconscious thought. We all do. And, you know, when I think, when I talk about people, it's not like I've escaped all of these vulnerabilities. I have a lot of them myself. But I, I think we tend to think, you know, if I, if I feel sorry for myself, and, you know, we all need a little bit of that sometimes, but that, that somehow the, someone in the world is going to notice and somehow we're going to get rescued. And then you sit there and you're tapping your fingers and you're looking around. It's like, wait a minute, another year, another five years, another decade. There's no rescue in sight. And so that's why I say, you know, take charge of life, you know, tinker along with it, figure out how you can move forward and don't expect yourself to know every time. You know, people who are successful will always give you the formula for success. And I think that's nonsense. I think the whole notion that there's one formula for all is absurd. I think, you know, in the same way that I have Circa or I have other ideas, these are not things you should just take on and then just do it, do it like a machine. It, it's, I think the beautiful piece of it is bringing the, the subtle quality of who you are as a human being to the table mm-hmm. and inviting that part of yourself to the table. 
and, and even bringing it out in conversation. You know, I, I have this habit sometimes if I'm arguing with a friend, I have a real hard time, even if I'm following the argument and I'm recognizing that they're right, in certain situations, because I've so stubbornly held on to this idea for a long time, I just won't, I won't let go of it, but I know they're right. And so I'll say, look, like factually, I think what you're saying is right, but there's no way I'm going to be, I just, my ego is too involved in this. Can we come back to this tomorrow? And it's, it's like, you recognize something about yourself. You recognize you're being stubborn. I don't want to endlessly argue myself to the ground, which I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I can recognize, like, I think when we all have this glimmer of truth and every human being, really, if you trust your intuition about this, there is this glimmer of truth that makes itself known to you. Pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. You're not subjected to your own scientific testing. Let it be your hypothesis. You know, this is this particular thing that I'm talking about. You know, all, all feelings are, are representations of body states. And so even intuitive feelings are, represent, are representations of body states. So intuitions are a sudden change in your philosophy, in your physiology, that actually um, is not something that you can, that's perceptible, but it's subtle. Your insula in your brain picks it up, and it sends it to the cortex for interpretation. Now, if it's too subtle, your, your, your thinking brain is not going to be able to make sense of it. It's like you're among somebody, you're like, oh, this is something about this person that like, turns me up, but I can't. I'm being so biased about this. You don't have to conclude you're right. All you have to do is do what I call insular mapping, which is keep on collecting your data. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just get more and more information and see what your frontal cortex thinks about. At the end of it, it may say, you know what, you're wrong. This just doesn't add up. Or it may say, thank God you paid attention to those subtle things because as we've collected the subtle data, we now know what is. And, you know, fear can distort that. It can make you think everything is a snake when, in fact, it's a coiled rope. So you don't want to – the other side to that is you don't want to go around thinking your world is full of snakes if, if what you have is a, is a bunch of coiled ropes. Mm-hmm. But you do want to allow your, yourself to take in information and not jump on it immediately. You know, take your time. It's time to tinker always. <laughs> time to tinker with martini in hand. Absolutely. Ah. This episode of the show is sponsored by Mighty Maca Plus. Mighty Maca Plus is the superfood green drink with over 30 amazing ingredients, including adaptogens and kosher organic maca from Peru that really work together to help support your body, balance your hormones, decrease inflammation, and give you that energy. Stop that three o'clock lull as well as help you get a better night's sleep. So if you're feeling sluggish, struggling with PMS, brain fog, hot flashes, low libido, or other issues, you know, it is time to try Mighty Maca Plus. It is just what the doctor ordered. To try Mighty Maca Plus risk-free, go to DrAnna.com and use Show 10 to get 10% off your first order. That sounds good. Srini, are there any other areas related to PTSD and the, and the resolution or the um, recovery that you want to talk about? I mean, I could talk about this for days. So. <laughs> I'm trying to think about there another um, therapeutic modality. I think that um, you mean so aside from from reaching into your brain and sort of yeah, um, you know, maybe I could talk a little bit about more about what what I meant by reappraisal or distraction, which have shown to decrease amygdala activation and and restore activation in the frontal cortex. They're part of circa, but 
you know, in case you don't want to think of all of circle, remember that. Remember that distraction can decrease pain. So we know from physical pain studies that if two people have, are administered the exact same pain, if one fo person focuses on the pain and the other person focuses somewhere else, the person who focuses somewhere else actually feels less pain. Mm. But it's the same amount of pain. It's the same thing psychologically. You know, we know there's a reality that's going on in our lives, but we need to pay as much attention to recovery as we do to what happened to us. And so I think distraction now has a tremendous amount of research supporting it. And like you said about putting aside a time of the day where you're paying attention to it, if you find yourself consumed by these thoughts, then putting aside time where you're actually, you're saying, you know what, my whole life is so stressed, but between five and six, I'm going to be so not stressed, you know, in, for, in whatever way is important. That's and then reappraisal is, is really going in and looking at, asking yourself to tell your exact life story in a completely different way with a completely different slant. So you say, I, I was in a relationship, I was traumatized, my whole family was traumatized, I had a really hard time getting out of it because I was hypervigilant and I couldn't pay attention to anything besides the fear and the threat and it kept me stuck. All true. Okay. I was in a relationship where I was not able to see at that time the things that would come my way. And now that I take a look at it, I forgive myself and let go of my feelings about the other because I want to move on. Same story, same person, different intentions. I love that example. That's fantastic. One other thing we talked about before we started uh, recording was about the stored memories, these strongly formed stored memories, and that how memories um, create these changes in conformation of proteins in the brain. Can you go into that a little bit more and explain that? Help me understand that better. Sure. So when we think about memory, we tend to think of it as like a whole big story, right? But you can imagine the brain doesn't have storybooks in it where it's like opening up stories and reading stories to itself. As soon as any experience hits your brain, it becomes converted into electrical impulses that changes what's happening at the brain connections called synapses. Now, in the hippocampus or long-term memory, there are synapses, which is, which is brain connections, that are altered by new experiences to, and then these create protein conformational changes in that region of, of, of the connections between two neurons. Remember, there are billions of these. So memories are really just changes to what's going on in your neurons and these protein conformational changes in, in your hippocampus. So when you think about how you can change that, aside from medication, there are a lot of other interventions that can help you figure out a place where you want to put those memories. Realize how you want to respond to those memories. React to those memories differently. And by doing that, you are actually rechanging the conformation of those proteins in your brain. So we have, I think the beautiful thing about biological research is that it's showing us that we are, in, we are more in control than we think. I mean, as you know, I don't choose one. I, I think whatever works, works. And, and you can decide for yourself what, what works. But I think the science behind it is very powerful and helps you to even understand your spiritual approaches to it mm -hmm. so that you, know, you can lead a much, more, a much happier and productive life that's filled with purpose. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, Srini. Thank you for your time. I honor you for this. Yeah. Um, any, any end comments or anything else that you wanna uh, make as well? 
No, I, I really just wish that, that people would remember that we're all in this together, even physiologically. Our brains are all connected, whether we like it or not. And that there's power to be found even outside of ourselves when we need it. And I wish for everyone who comes across your book and comes across this interview, if they come across it, to actually remember that they have access to this power. It's not just left out there for the special few. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, Srini. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. You too, Adam. Take care. Thank you for watching this video. Be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel here and get those notifications and comment below. Let me know your thoughts, what you loved and what your action step is. <laughs>